BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. We're going to be talking about this whole commission thing. I mean, actually, I think that what's happening right now is that the war for the election of 2024 is being fought right now. And it has to do with whether we're going to investigate reality. We'll get into that in detail. And a bizarre, crazy alert. Joe Biden faked his drive. Really? His electric car drive? We'll get to that. Want to talk about fascism in America? We'll get to that in a second. And also, we had an election here in Oregon on Tuesday. You didn't see pictures of people in long lines because the entire state votes by mail. But in any case, seven Oregon counties have voted to secede from Oregon and join Idaho. And this is actually happening all around the country. I want to talk about that. But first, the election war of 2024 is being fought right now. That's the uh, title of the, the piece that uh, I published on Hartman Report. And basically, you know, with a rant that I planned for this show, I, they're typically the same thing. And what we're looking at right now, in my opinion, is a battle for the survival of the American Republic. And if the American Republic falls and becomes a fascist petrostate, and in fact, if it becomes a, uh, an ethno-nationalist fascist petrostate, which is the direction that the petrobillionaires are trying to push us and the white supremacists in the Republican Party are trying to push us, if we fall, being the, most, the richest country in the world, the most powerful military power in the world, the original democracy in the modern age, if we fall, the rest of it falls, right? I mean, how long would, would Europe be able to stand up against, for example, you know, China and Russia and, and an alliance of other countries? You know, you've now got Hungary and Poland and Turkey that have uh, become basically neo-fascist states. And Turkey's part of the European Union. Hungary is part of the European Union. I believe Poland is part of the EU. I'm not sure if they're part of the shared currency or not, but it's happening, right? And part of it here in the United States is that Republicans and their authoritarian supporters are working right now to steal the 2024 election. They're doing this on a state-by-state -state basis. 
and they're trying to drop their treason attempt in 2020, which, mark my words, they will repeat in two years, well, in 2022, a year and a half, and in four years. They will repeat this. You know, there's the old joke, what do you call a failed coup? A rehearsal. We can't let them get away with it. At the same time that this is happening, the Republicans are literally trying to rig elections and trying to cause Americans not to believe in our own system of government, but rather to embrace a neo-fascist authoritarian oligarchy. I, you know, I wrote a whole book warning about this, The Hidden History of American Oligarchy. It is happening right in front of us as we speak right now. And as that is happening, Democrats are sitting around going, well, we're trying to engage in a good faith negotiation with the Republicans to have a January 6th commission, a 1-6 commission. No, I'm sorry. This is a war. The Republicans have figured out it's a war. Democrats, eh, Democrats need to forget about bipartisanship. We have the House, we have the Senate, we have the White House, and odds are if we don't use that power now, we will not have at least two of those branches in January of 2023, which means that by November, you know, November 2024, January 2025, Democrats will hold no power at the federal level, which means the end of democracy in the United States and the world. It's that real. It's that serious. This uh, bipartisan commission stuff is just—it's just nonsense. Uh, you've got some, you know, some good Republicans trying to do something. I mean, Amanda Carpenter is writing over at the Bulwark. You know, she used to be the communications director for uh, Jim DeMint and the speechwriter for Ted Cruz. She says, no one should be surprised that elected Republicans are not, as a class, eager to support the commission. For some, such as House Minority Leader McCarthy and the people who spoke at the January 6th rally, a vote for the commission is a vote to investigate themselves. If anything, their opposition is further evidence of the need for an independent investigation. I agree. We need an independent investigation. A bipartisan commission is not the way to do it. And Mitch McConnell came out and said, we are going to block this thing in the United States Senate. Why? Well, for the obvious reason that Amanda Carpenter pointed out. The Republicans don't want to investigate themselves. You've got 140 plus, I think it's 147 members of Congress who, after the January 6th insurrection, still voted to say, no, Joe Biden's not really the president. What are you going to do with these people? Do you expect these, these folks to say, oh, yeah, let's hold an investigation into ourselves? People who are giving tours to traitors? In the days before the attempted coup? No. Here's how this needs to play out. Forget the commission stuff. The way this needs to play out is that Chuck Schumer needs to get control of his caucus. He needs to go to Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin and say, you guys are going to vote with all the rest of the Democrats, and maybe there's a few others who are opposed to ending the filibuster. He needs to go to those folks and say, we are going to do this now. The summer vacation is coming. It's coming in a couple of weeks, and it's going to last all the way till September. And then when Congress comes back in September, 
the election season for 2022 has already started and you're not going to get squat done. He needs to sit these folks down and say, you are going to join us in ending the filibuster now or replacing it with a Jimmy Stewart filibuster where if a Republican wants to block a piece of legislation, they've got to have 40 members on the floor continuously and somebody has to be talking. And when they fail in that for even one minute, we hold a vote. And then all of America can see the Republican hypocrisy and lies and stupidity. But number one, he needs to get rid of the filibuster, whether he has to threaten his recalcitrant members or whether he has to offer them the moon. You know, we will move NASA to your state. I don't care how he does it. But if Chuck Schumer can't pull this off, he needs to be replaced. Joe Biden, President Biden needs to get in there and say, you know, we are going to replace Schumer with, with somebody who actually understands the Lyndon Johnson school of majority Senate management. And then once that filibuster is gone and Democrats can actually pass laws, the first law they need to pass is an independent prosecutor or special prosecutor or independent counsel or whatever you call it these days. We've been through several of them and we've been through different legislation to make them happen. We need a Leon Jaworski. We need an Archibald Cox, if you're old enough to remember these guys. We need the, these folks who actually know how to seriously go after seriously go after the people who have committed these crimes. No more namby-pamby commission stuff. No more bipartisanship. We need a Ken Starr, a Lawrence Walsh. We need, we need a Robert Mueller who hasn't been told by Bill Barr, you can't look at anything prior to the election. So you can't look into, for example, you know, Donald Trump's involvement with a foreign organized crime or foreign oligarchs or foreign governments. That actually was a restraint put on Mueller by Bill Barr. You know, the 9-11 Commission failed to even look into Bush and Cheney's lies around 9-11 or their incompetence. The fact that, that Bill Clinton and Al Gore warned them 9-11 was coming and they ignored it. 9-11 Commission never looked into it. Why? Because it was half Republicans. You think Republicans are going to investigate Republicans in any kind of serious and honest way? There's a reason why they never investigated Cheney and, and how he had run Halliburton into the ground. It was on the verge of bankruptcy when he left as CEO and became vice president. And suddenly they're getting billions in no-bid contracts and they're putting together such shoddy work that it's killing American soldiers. No, the commission never investigated that either. This is the Tom Hartman Program. They never even bothered to look into Cheney's stock holdings in Halliburton. We don't need a commission. We need a prosecutor. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Hunter in Bellevue, Washington. Hey, Hunter, thanks for listening to KBCS. What's up? Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I was just wondering to get your thoughts on the likelihood of the GOP party like eventually splitting in two between like Trumpers and the GOP party that are anti-Trump. It's happening right now in front of us. I mean, look at Liz Cheney versus Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, and that's what sparked my interest in this. And do you think like Liz Cheney would be spearheading 
this or do you think like it'll actually like merge into a third party? I think so, the one thing that could hugely influence all of this is if there are, and, and I'm fully expecting this to happen by the way, is that okay. there are serious criminal charges brought against Donald Trump that are not technical mumbo jumbo, you know, oh, you know, with, uh, 16 years ago, he failed to file form 290 on the, uh, you know, re revealing his uh, conflict of interest and, you know, it's not that kind of stuff. Yeah. Some kind of crime that people, the average, the average Joe could look at and go, holy crap, he did that? Right? That Trump gets brought up on charges, you know, kind of, uh, you know, like Matt Gates, right? Uh, you know, everybody understands, you know, a 36-year-old man and a 17-year-old girl, not good. It's got to be something, and not necessarily a sex crime, although it could be, but it's got to be something everybody understands. At that point, I'm guessing that a significant number of the pro-Trump Republicans will cease to be pro-Trump Republicans. And, you know, then the question becomes, you know, do they follow somebody else? Does Marjorie Taylor Greene become the leader of the party? Or do they merge back into the old Republican Party scam that they've been running since Ronald Reagan and pretend that they're actually interested in the average person and we're going to, you know, go back to talking about tax cuts and deregulation? But, you know, the, the Republican Party is right now in the midst of an existential crisis. And that crisis is caused by one man, Donald Trump. Because the party's been a scam since the 80s, right? I mean, they've been running a con on the American people. Eisenhower rescued the Republican Party. Goldwater essentially took it back from the rational people, and it's been crazy train ever since. And I'm not hearing any Eisenhower Republican voices. What I'm hearing are Liz Cheney voices who want to take the GOP back to being the Reagan GOP, the Bush elder and Bush junior GOP, which is basically the Republican Party that is the shill for the big corporations and, and the billionaires but at least isn't openly advocating sedition and treason. And, you know, then, then maybe we can get back to some semblance of what has seemed normal over the last 40 years, bizarre as it is. But Hunter, I, I don't know. They're going to do everything they can to avoid splitting the party in two because everybody knows that because we have first-past-the-post winner-take-all elections, where there are only seven democracies in the world that are structured like ours, because we have this, we always end up with a two-party system. It's just, it's built into it. So if you spin off a third party, that third party is going to hurt the party that it came out of worse than anybody else. So if the Republican Party splits, they're really going to be powerless. I'd love to see it happen, frankly. I think it would be a great thing for the Democrats. But <laughs> I, I think that they're, they're going to do everything in their power to prevent that from happening. And, and I, frankly, for a lot of these Republicans, Donald Trump being indicted would be the best gift that they could get. So, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. Hunter, thanks for the call. It's a great question. Tom Hartman here with you. Hey, it's time for a crazy alert. This is genuinely crazy stuff. I mean, genuinely crazy stuff. Over at Gateway Pundit, this is one of the websites that's, you know, just constantly spewing Trump weirdness and whatnot. I don't know if you caught Joe Biden driving an electric Ford F-150. They are saying he wasn't actually driving it. The guy sitting next to him was driving it because he's 78 years old, you know, and he can't drive a car anymore. I'm telling you, you know, 
a couple of years ago, Louise and I bought the car that we've had for, I don't know, since we moved back here to Portland, what, four years now, I think? We bought a plug-in Prius hybrid. You see, you plug it in at night, and it'll go 30 miles on a charge, and then it becomes just a normal hybrid. It burns gasoline, but it also has the hybrid battery and all that kind of stuff. Super good mileage. But I have literally, in the four years I've owned that car, bought three tanks of gas. Because, you know, you know, I only need gas if I'm going to go more than 30 miles. And basically anywhere in Portland is, you know, is within 30 miles. And I got to tell you, electric cars are amazing because you don't have that problem of internal combustion engines having to, tor you know, get up to speed and generate torque and all that kind of stuff. It's just power right up. You hit the gas pedal. I, I realize it's an electric pedal. You hit the pedal and that thing shoots off like a rocket. Toys for boys on steroids. And of course, you know, these guys on the right, they don't want there to be electric vehicles in the United States because so much of their money is coming from petrobillionaires, you know, who uh, people who make money off fossil fuels. And so here we go. Uh, the headline, wow, Biden caught fake driving. Someone else is steering a vehicle. It was all a stunt. Right. Right. So, you know, this is this is the crazy stuff. And there's an agenda to it. By the way, the other story that I think is really important and I want to tell you about is vaccine passports are here and they're real. They just appeared. The vaccine passports here in Oregon. Oregon is the first state now to demand vaccine passports. It is absolutely incredible. Oregonians can now go maskless outside, but they must show proof of vaccination if you want to take off your mask indoors. This is the state. This is now a requirement of the state. Dr. Dean Seidlinger, this is from the Oregonian, our local newspaper, Dr. Dean Seidlinger, Oregon's health officer and epidemiologist, said he wasn't specifically aware of any other states that have adopted similar vaccine passport requirements as Oregon has opted to do. He used that phrase. He said vaccinated individuals will be required to show their vaccine cards or provide a photocopy or photo of their vaccine card to forego wearing a mask in a public indoor setting. You want to go into a store? Yeah, I went to my dentist yesterday for the first time in a, in a year and a half. I lost a filling in April, right, of last year, a year, over a year ago, and I bought this temporary filling stuff online, and I've been, uh, every three months or so, replacing this filling with this temporary stuff, using my finger as the, you know, or my thumb as the way to get, to get it into the, into the side of the tooth, and it's worked pretty good, actually. My dentist said, hey, you're, you're pretty good, but everybody in their office was masked. I walked in with a mask. And I was talking with the receptionist, and I said, are you requiring people to show proof of vaccination? And she said, I don't know if we can legally do that. And I said, you can absolutely legally do that in Oregon. This is before I read this piece in the Oregonian, that now it's required. This is starting next week, I believe. Neither one of us knew about this, and we were having this conversation. And I said, but I think you can. You know, this is, you can put a sign in your window that says, this is private property, and we enforce our own rules. No shirt, no service, no shoes, no service, no vaccine card, no service. And she was like, that's a great idea. We, you know, let's, we will have a conversation about this. Well, now Oregon is the first state to absolutely require this. So if you want to walk into your doctor's office or your dentist's office or whatever, if you can't show proof that you're vaccinated, 
you have to keep wearing a mask in Oregon. I guarantee you the crazies are going to come out and they're going to be protesting and they're going to be freaking out. And you've got a bunch of store owners in the state who are, and even some of the unions who are saying, wait a minute, you're turning us into the vaccine police and we don't want to be the vaccine police. So, you know, it's a tough one. And Dean Seidlinger, the Oregon health officer, he said, we hope that Oregon's will not lie or cheat and put others at risk by forging a vaccine record if they aren't vaccinated. <laughs> we hope. But it's going to be starting, let's see, uh, you know, this article doesn't say when this starts, so maybe it's uh, effective immediately, I'm not sure. But uh, they're saying, you know, businesses and venue operators that don't want to check banned vaccine cards will still be allowed to require masks at their discretion. So this isn't, an a- this isn't like an absolute law, but it's damn close. Oregon, the first state with vaccine passports. What say you? Coming to your state? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. table here pick up some of your phone calls and uh see what's on your mind greg in lompoc california hey greg what's up hey tom good to hear you i tell you the wire is crackling today with your passionate intensity and i just want to throw another little tiny little firecracker out there okay do you think that the congress people who are willing to who would be willing to vote to implicate Trump won't do it because they fear for their lives. Well, that's what Liz Cheney said three days ago. She said that she knew that there were Republicans in the House of Representatives who wanted to vote to impeach Donald Trump. Uh, Now, obviously, you know, this is the impeachment that I'm talking about, not the commission or investigation, but same thing, I think, you know, there's the same people who wanted to vote for to impeach Donald Trump and didn't because they were afraid for their lives. There are people who don't want their children harassed online or even in person. They don't want their spouses being stalked, uh, confronted at the local stores. I mean, these are the kind of things that are happening to Republicans who stand up to Donald Trump. And, you know, I mean, so, yeah, absolutely, Greg. And it's a big problem. And it's it's another reason why Chuck Schumer needs to get control of his caucus and get rid of the filibuster or at least modify it so that we can actually pass some legislation and pass these things that will disempower 
these uh, neo-fascists. I, I, I just don't uh, see a way around it. Absolutely, and it seems to me that January 6th demonstrated that the threat was real. Yeah, oh yeah. And now, you know, well, we've had the FBI saying this since 2009, but Obama had to bury the report because the Republicans were screaming so loud. But, you know, the FBI came out in 2008 with a report on left-wing extremism in the United States and, uh -huh. and another report on Muslim, uh, you know, radical Islam, terrorism in the United States. Uh -huh. And then in 2009, just right around the time Obama became, you know, was sworn into office, the FBI came out with a report on right-wing terrorism in the United States. Yeah. And the uh, Republicans screamed and squealed so loudly that the FBI took the report back, you know, with the permission of the Obama administration. I think that was a huge mistake. I think that it has, it was real then. It's been getting worse ever since. And something needs to be done about it. Greg, thank you for getting the call. Getting more real. Yeah, yes. I'm with you. You got it. I appreciate the call. James in Venus, Texas. Hey, James, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, I just want to talk about the, the deal in the mid, Middle East over there. Mm -hmm. You know, that situation never going to improve until they change leadership. they got to sit down and negotiate peacefully and find a solution, or that thing's never going to get done. Yeah. You're talking about Israel specifically. I think that... Yeah. We can't just blame Israel for everything, or we'd be at fault for uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. We know that ain't true. There was yeah. terrorists in both those countries. Yeah. James, we you know we have little control over that, and this war is a great know, gift to Benjamin man. Netanyahu and his right wing merry band of right wingers. I'm starting to think that maybe America should stop supporting any ethno states, any states that are based right. on race, you know, basically on race or religion, and yeah. increasingly because increase it. For example, India. Modi's trying to turn India into an ethno state. The Republican Party is trying to turn America into a white Christian ethno state. South Africa used yeah, to be an ethno state. China is persecuting the Uyghurs as part of their efforts to, to essentially create an ethno state. It is very, very troubling. And uh, yeah. I'll just leave it at that. James, that deal, Janu go ahead. that deal on January the 6th, that was a treasonous act. It was. That attack, that it was a tre I looked up treason in a dictionary, and that that very act of insurrection and everything, that follows along the definition of what treason is. Right. And you've got 147 Republicans who, after it happened, said, yeah, we're down yeah. with those people. We're still yeah. with those folks. You know, what they, what they did, that's the cause that we're fighting for. You know, let's overturn an election. It's nuts. James, thanks for the call. Mike in Falls, Pennsylvania. Hey, Mike, what's on your mind today? Oh, yes, Tom. Regarding Trump assigning... Secret Service agents to his family and to Mnuchin and to Wilbur Ross. I don't. What is the authority that he had to do that? And it must be costing millions. I don't know how many agents it takes to care for one family. Yeah. To the best of my knowledge, they're no longer protecting anybody other than the immediate Trump family. But I know that just in the last month or so, it's been reported that just the Secret Service agents following around Trump's children have cost us you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of money that they've spent in Trump properties, because Trump children you know, go to Trump properties and then the Secret Service has to come and rent rooms and all that kind of stuff. I'm not yet ready to say end that, just because Trump is abusing it, or the Trump family, uh, or because you know, even if you were to argue that they're not abusing it just because they're very expensive. <laughs> but 
I'm frankly more concerned, Mike. You know, there's this new book. Carol Lennig has has a new book out about the Secret Service. And yeah, sounds familiar. I'm yeah, familiar. I'm, I'm yeah I'm waiting to get a copy of it, and and I want to get her on the program when we do, because it, it appears that the Secret Service as an organization has been corrupted is not even the right word just you know really really never really run well or run right it was created after the assassination of uh, mckinley in 1901 out of an agency that was in charge of uh, overseeing counterfeiting and you know part of originally uh, part of the treasury department and now it's its its own independent thing and a lot of the secret service agents are great people and very dedicated and you know do what they do at personal sacrifice and should be applauded but they deserve good management but if we live in a country where politicians are continually fearing for their lives of course we want to protect the politicians and their families but we have to look at and ask the question why is it that we live in a country where politicians are fearing for their lives <laughs> yeah, exactly you know, what are the forces that are driving this who are the people behind this what are, you know what are the the news outlets that are promoting lies that cause people to become homicidal. We have now at least 20 of these 400 plus people who have been arrested now for an attempted uh, traitorous uh, coup d'etat on January 6th. At least 20 of them now have claimed as their defense that they watched Fox News or that they believed Donald Trump or that they were consuming right-wing hate radio, and therefore they genuinely believed that the election had been stolen and they were fighting to save the American Republic and the American way of life. And, you know, I I have a hard time criticizing people who genuinely believe that, Mike. As much as, as, you know, I, on this program and and in my writings, I, you know, I call these people traitors and, and, you know, it's treason what they did, et cetera. And they would know that if they had a diversity of news inputs, if they actually read, you know, the mainstream newspapers and watched, you know, real news instead of uh, OAN or Fox News or or uh, any of the other or listen to right wing hate radio. But if I believed and Mike, I'm guessing that the same is true of you. If if we believed that the Republican Party had stolen the White House. You know, if, if we believed back in 2016 that Donald Trump had stolen the White House and there was lots and lots of evidence of it on television that we saw and we believed to be true, and we heard dozens of people on radio telling us that this was true, and we found thousands of websites that said this, and it was all over Facebook, and we actually truly believed that our country had been stolen, uh, had been seized control of by a bunch of, you know, in this case, right-wingers, um, we may well have showed up at the Capitol as well. I'm not sure it would have been exactly the same way, but uh, we have to be looking beyond just the 400 plus so far that have been arrested for this and start looking at, you know, who are the people who are indoctrinating these people? What is their agenda? Is it just profit? I mean, is Fox News a very profitable operation? A lot of these operations, very profitable. Are they just Are they engaged in treason or encouraging insurrection or or lying to people just to make money? Is that really it? Or is there something deeper here? You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. And if there is something deeper here, is it possible that it is what I posit in this book, The Hidden History of Oligarchy, that, you know, there's, there's an attempt to overthrow America?
we had an election here in Oregon on Tuesday. You didn't see pictures of people in long lines because the entire state votes by mail. But in any case, seven Oregon counties have voted to secede from Oregon and join Idaho. My daily rant over at HartmanReport.com, the headline is Americans may only see fascism in the rearview mirror when it's too late. I think probably the main point that I'm making with this, uh, with this op-ed and in what I'm telling you right now is that now that the January 6th commission looks like it's dead, it passed the House, it's going to the Senate. Mitch McConnell came out yesterday and said, I'm opposed to it, which means that there will be a filibuster of it in the Senate, which means that in order for it to pass in the Senate, they're going to have to have all 50 Democrats. I think it's reasonable to assume that they'll get that. And they're going to have to have 10 Republicans. That's going to be a stretch. There are seven, as I recall, Republicans in the Senate who uh, consider something like this, you know, who have you know, really spoken out loudly and continuously about their concerns about January 6th. But that's not 10. So we'll see where that goes. But the larger point that I wanted to make is that I think most Americans think that politics changes and moves at a glacial speed. Very, very slow, gradual change is how things happen in countries. I think there's a widespread perception across America that this is the case. Even though our own politics, our own history, shows that that's very much not the case. In 1773, you had people in the colonies saying, you know, hey, it's cool to be a British, you know, a citizen of British, you know, an, an American colonial citizen of British, the British Empire. Thomas Jefferson himself in 70, 1772 or early 1773 published a whole pamphlet on how to be a good citizen of Great Britain. And then in November of 1773, you know, the Boston Tea Party happened. The Tea Act and then the Boston Ports Act, it changed everybody's mind. Within two years, we were in a shooting war with uh, England, a limited one, you know, with a shot heard around the world and all that kind of stuff. And by 1776, we had actually declared war on July 4th, 1776, the Declaration of Independence. So that all happened in a three-year period. We went from being, you know, happy colonies of England to we're at war with you guys. You know, the Civil War, the same thing. It was 1857 that the Republican Party was created in Jackson, Michigan. And ran their first candidate for the serious candidate for president Abe Lincoln in the election of 1860. So that was three years later and boom Lincoln got elected and we were in the Civil War within months you know of the end of that you know the, the South seceded. That's how rapidly that happened. You had the Great Depression you know things seemed to be going along just fine up until 1929 and all of a sudden boom you know the Great Crash happens in October of 29 and the United States is in a Great Depression, and uh, Franklin Roosevelt comes along to save the day in the election of 1932 and begins the New Deal in March of 1933. And so there, again, about a four-year period for this huge swing to happen. If you look at countries that flipped fascist, Italy in the 1920s, Germany in the early 1930s, Japan, actually, in the mid to late 1930s. In every case, it was a relatively short period of time. I mean, Hitler had been arrested in 1923 when he led a group of protesters 
to the, the seat of government of Bavaria, one of the southern states in Germany, probably one of the most conservative states, if not the most conservative state in Germany, to this day. And he led a group of protesters to literally seize control of the state government, to overthrow their equivalent of their governor. He was arrested for that. He was thrown in jail. While in jail, he wrote Mein Kampf. It took him a decade after he came out to spread his idea of fascism and that the, the, the Lügenpresse, the lying press, was behind his, uh, his imprisonment and, and was lying about what he was all about and the Jewish conspiracy and everything else. It took him a decade from the time he was first arrested in Bavaria until he became chancellor in 1933. And that is being speeded up considerably now. I mean, that was in an era before television. There was radio, but there, there was no television. And there was certainly no internet or social media. So my point is that what's going on inside the Republican Party right now is the rise of fascism. Trumpism is at its core fascist. And we are seeing this, you know, across the United States. And this movement of fascist, fascist movements are typically not connected to reality, for lack of a better word. They're, you know, they don't depend on facts. They depend on grievance and a belief that there's an other out there that's trying to screw you, trying to ruin the country. So that's the essence of the whole thing. In response to that, you have to have strongman government. You have to essentially suspend the rights of minorities. You have to have strong majority rule. You add to that the call for an ethnostate, a racially pure governing body, essentially, you know, which is what the Republican Party has largely become and is largely promoting. And you have fascism. And it is spreading in the United States really rapidly. Not only are we seeing the spread of kind of an ethno-nationalism, neo-fascism across the Republican Party, and not only is it seizing geography, but it's also happening within families and within workplaces and, and in communities. Do you have a neighbor who has turned into a fascist? A family member who has turned into a fascist? Do you have a friend who has turned into a fascist? What do they say to you? How do they justify this? Or what do you say to them? Have you had any success in awakening them out of this? How do we deal with these cults? What has been your experience? Samantha in Albuquerque, New, New Mexico. Hey, uh, Samantha, what's up? Hey, Tom. Good morning, and thank you for being intelligent and being out there with this. You are absolutely 100% correct and accurate in what's coming. We are facing a civil war that is about to engage. There are two very strong factions that are warring against one another, and it's impossible to ignore it, and yet... We are ignoring it. We are actually acting as if tra-la-la, tra-la-la, everything's just fine, talking about the economy is great and blah, blah, blah. And that's not what's happening. What you just talked about with these people from Oregon wanting to go with Idaho now and the 47 different states with all the laws that they are putting to suppress our voting. 
with all of the Proud Boys and the white supremacist groups all coalescing right now and, and secretly making their little places where they go and they shoot their guns and they are weaponizing their ideology. I went to Dachau in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And the, the, spent, the, the Nazi prison camp uh, near Munich. Yes, about. Dachau in yeah. Germany. And saw. I thought Dachau was one of the biggest, but no, there were 40 of those things oh, there. Yeah. And, no, there were um, several hundred actually across Germany. Much, most of them were much smaller. But the, you know, labor camps, work camps, prison camps. And I, I, uh, the I, death I, shook, I trembled Germany. for days, wondering how could human beings do this to other human beings? Mm-hmm. But if that is a possibility, and then when you research history and you see that human beings have done this to other human beings for centuries, yep. to think that that's not possible here is a huge error. Yep. It's a big mistake. This is marching toward us right now as if the Chinese government was marching toward us right now. And we're just tra-la-la. Oh, isn't it a pretty day? I think I'll go ride my bike. And yes, I do that because I have to. But we cannot ignore what is actually getting ready to face us, and we need to be ready for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely with you, Samantha. And the first way to stop it is political. If the political way of stopping it fails, then it becomes more of a physical struggle. And that's something that I don't even frankly want to contemplate because that's something that looks like a civil war. And we went through that before in this country. The same kinds of forces are pushing another civil war. You've got, you know, the Boogaloo Boys who are openly and proudly proclaiming that they're trying to create a race war, a civil war in the United States based along along the lines of race and other groups saying the same thing. Thanks a lot, Samantha. Great to hear from you. Anita in San Antonio. Hey, Anita, what's up? Hi, Tom. Yeah, I don't think this happened overnight with Trump. I mean, the Republican Party has been chipping away at democracy for a long time. Yeah, 40 years, basically. Exactly. They don't like democracy. And I think what happened was a demagogue came. He was shameless. And also he peeled away some of the left Mm -hmm. with this kind of populist rhetoric and even some of the anti-immigrant stuff. And he also lied through his teeth, and a lot of people to this day believe him. He was going to do what progressive Democrats have been claiming for a long time that they wanted to do. Trump said he was going to raise taxes on the rich. He was going to give everybody a better health care system. He was going to stop offshoring jobs to other countries. He was going to bring those jobs back to the United States. He was going to make it, you know, America a country that the world was proud of. Those were the things that he campaigned on in 2016. By 2020, they were obviously a lie, and I think that's part of why he lost. He opened up his campaign calling Mexicans rapists. Yes, you're right. After that, that was it for me. Yeah. And he started off even before that. I couldn't oh, yeah. even look at him. Because birtherism. He, 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 the birtherism. And I the Central Park Five. Anybody. I mean, you know, yeah, he has a long history of race being the central animating force, I suppose, or, or issue in his life. I, you know, it, uh, this goes way, way back. But that's what these left-wing, I mean, right-wing populists do, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's how they separate us. And they use this kind of populist language. And if we don't learn, I mean, I don't know, we're in trouble anyway. But yeah. if we don't learn and we don't start addressing this, mm-hmm. and I think Biden's doing a good job. Yeah. I think that if he can get this um, infrastructure thing going and with the COVID relief and, and all the things that he's done already, I don't understand why any Democrat like Joe Manchin or anybody who calls himself a Democrat cannot see what's happening here. Yeah, if I'm, we don't do these things, we're in big trouble. Look what's happened with the census. We're in trouble. I'm with you. 
I'm absolutely with you. And look at what happened with the corruption of all these different federal agencies and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Denise in Rocky Gap, Virginia. Hey, Denise, what's on your mind today? The move from the counties of Oregon wanting to move to Idaho. You know, mm -hmm. I live in Virginia, West Virginia line, about a mile from it. We've done this before. West Virginia, when it separated from Virginia, the state of Virginia took West Virginia to court and got back the money for all the developments from the time immemorial of the state of Virginia, and West Virginia had to pay them. It went all really? the way to the Supreme Court. West Virginia didn't get it paid off until the 1940s, and they wouldn't have done that if it didn't have coal. Wow. <laughs> which helped them pay for it. Interesting. So the question is, is how much does Idaho want to pay Oregon for those seven counties? <laughs> That's an interesting question. That's an interesting question. And Denise, thank you for a little bit of history that I didn't know. I, that, that's a marvelous one. Nikki in Chicago. Hey, Nikki, what's on your mind? I feel very sad that we've lost the Republican Party. We need a strong second party. And actually, I'd love to see a strong third and fourth party. But I don't think it's a win for the Democrats that we lost the Republicans. Yeah. I'm inclined to agree with you. This transformation of the Republican Party from a reasonable alternative to the Democrats, which they were up until 1964, into a radical and unreasonable party that embraces uh, racism, fascism, ethno-nationalism, that was kicked off with the Goldwater nomination, but really became real in 1981 with the election of Ronald Reagan and became explicit in 2016 with the nomination of Donald Trump, you know, after, as a previous caller said, you know, his, his uh, opening speech was a racist speech. He was just pure uh, racial demagoguery. I think of my dad, who was an Eisenhower Republican and was starting to get uncomfortable by the 2000s, you know, with George W. Bush and all this kind of stuff. He hung on until he died, you know, but, you know, I, I'm not inside the Republican Party and I don't know how to bring it back. Do you have any thoughts, Nikki? Well, no, I, I don't know how to bring it back because it's based on lunacy, and I don't know how you, how you address that. But I do think that as somebody who at times did agree with things the Republicans said going back to the 60s, that I feel a, a sense of loss. Yeah. I, well, it's, I, it's, I miss the Republican Party. I, I liked having some debate, and it seems like we can't have that anymore because it's, it's so divided. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. You know, and I don't have, I, I wish I did. You know, I've, I've thought about this a lot. Some magic bullet or easy thing that's going to help the Republican Party put themselves back together again. I think they're just going to have to go through this major split. And like I said, we're seeing it in micro here in, in Multnomah County. In macro, we're seeing it all across the country. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. And I think, the, you know, the question at the end of the day is, is the Republican Party going to end up being a Trumpist fascist party full on? Or are they going to go back to some reasonable position? Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. 
Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. So uh, seven Oregon counties here in Oregon, we held an election. We got the results Tuesday night and Wednesday morning. Seven rural Oregon counties have voted in favor of leaving Oregon and joining Idaho. And this includes counties that start at the west end of the state to all the way down to the south end of the state and all the way out to the ocean, which would basically mean that Idaho would go from the Canadian border all the way to the Pacific Ocean. And Washington State and what would be left of Portland would become this completely separate from, from California, which is our connection essentially to you know the blue west coast. Pretty strange stuff. Five counties voted on Tuesday. Two counties have already voted. So that's seven counties in total in Oregon that want to join Idaho. Now, it's probably not going to happen. In fact, it's almost certainly not going to happen. It would require both the Oregon legislature to vote to let those counties go and the Idaho legislature to vote to accept them. Now, the Idaho vote is probably likely. The Oregon vote is almost certainly not going to happen, but you know, you never know. And then even if it passed both states, it would have to be voted on by the U.S. House of Representatives and the Senate. And so I think it's unlikely, but you know, hey, I'm not counting anything out. I mean, the Republican Party here in Oregon has just gone nuts. Here in, in uh, Multnomah County, this is you know the, the county that is mostly Portland, the most populous county in the state. Monday of this week, the uh, Republican Party, the Multnomah County Republican Party, our, the Portland Republican Party essentially, which is very much a minority in terms of political power and, and you know, elected officials and everything else, they basically split into two factions. And one faction has Proud Boys providing security to them. And they are clearly the Trumpist faction, as it were. And the other half, the other faction, is more, I guess, Eisenhower Republicans, big business Republicans, or maybe even kind of crazy right-wing Republicans, but not quite ready to say that they're going to jump into bed with Donald Trump at the Proud Boys. It's fascinating to watch. I'm not sure it's a good thing. Well, you know, it may be because it further diminishes the power of the GOP in many ways. But what it also tells us is, you know, apropos my earlier rant, and this is where if you have thoughts on what we can do to stop this or expose this or change this or where it's coming from or why it's coming from, what this suggests to me, what this says loudly to me and should to all of us, is that there is this neo-fascist movement. I suppose we could use somewhat softer language and call it an authoritarian movement, not just in Oregon, but all across the United States, that is 
seeking to reorder and reorganize our political systems. You've got now four states that have voted to say, you know, doesn't matter who the voters vote for, the state legislature is going to decide who won the election. You've got legislation to that effect introduced into 47 states. And odds are, you know, a half a dozen, maybe a dozen of them will pass it by the 2022 election, which means that they're pre-rigging the election. You've got parts of the country that are voting to merge or separate themselves from individual states. It increasingly appears that the principal divide here now is between rural areas and urban areas. And the suburbs, the suburban areas are kind of the great battlefield now. And it was the suburbs, in particular the white suburbs, that had been the Republican Party's stronghold. But now as the Republican Party goes more and more Trump, fascist, conspiracy theory, QAnon, all this kind of stuff, as that increasingly becomes what the Republican Party is and is all about, what we are finding, what we are seeing, sadly, increasingly, is, is that They've just gone off in this totally, totally crazed direction, this, this totally fascist direction. If this experiment of democracy fails in America, it's going to fail around the world. This is a big deal. We were the first democracy in the modern era 240 years ago. And, you know, the whole world, there were, there were only a half a dozen of, you know, democracies by the 1860s. And the whole world held its breath during the Civil War. And now you've got uh, roughly 100, and I think it's 123 out of 192 nations now call themselves democracies. If America falls to fascism, look out. It's going to happen worldwide. Welcome back. Tom Harmon here with you and Marilyn in Sarasota, Florida. Hey, Marilyn, what's up? Hi. Hey. Okay, so every time I, um, I hear, I'm listening to the news and hearing about people being arrested and charged with this, that, and the other for January 6th, nobody has been charged with insurrection. And I can't understand why, because I looked it up quite a while ago, before January 6th. And we do have a law against it. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not just oh, this yeah. little thing in the Constitution. It's U.S. It's 18 U.S. Code S. 2383, Rebellion or Insurrection. Right. And it's only a short paragraph. It's whoever, cite, whoever incites, sets on foot, assists, or engages in any rebellion or insurrection against the authority of the United States or the laws thereof, or gives aid or comfort thereto, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both, and shall be incapable of holding any office under the United States. And this is why the Republicans don't want there to be an investigation, because you probably have a couple dozen Republicans in the House of Representatives who are basically in on this thing. And, I know. Uh, we're pretty sure we know who at least three or four of them are. But I'm guessing that there's more than that, and these guys are scared to death, number one. And number but two... But what's wrong with the DOJ? Well, let's see. There have been leaks out of the Department of Justice suggesting that they're going to use the insurrection charge for the ringleaders. 
for the people who are well, involved. Sedition, though. They're after sedition. And for sedition, they need to prove conspiracy. Right. But for insurrection, they don't. Oh, well, maybe I've uh, mixed the two in my brain on the news stories. I tend to, are you Are you quite certain that there have been no insurrection charges whatsoever? Absolutely. Huh. I'm going to have to look into that, Marilyn. I, it's, it's very easy to conflate those uh, insurrection and, and sedition in, you know, in your brain, and apparently I've done it. But you're absolutely <laughs> right. It is against the law. It's 10 years in prison. And uh, frankly, that is the book that could be thrown, in my opinion, at all of these people, but you know, we yeah. definitely need to, to get their uh, their collaborators, as it were, in uh, mm-hmm. you know, in in Congress. Marilyn, thank you for the call. I got to move along, but thank okay. you very much. Appreciate it, Jim in Detroit. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. I wanted to talk about the decision by Kevin McCarthy, reinforced by Mitch McConnell, mm-hmm. to not pursue with a bipartisan, you know, congressional panel, the insurrection, and it's like the last straw. Why would we expect anything different from these people? They are literally the scorpion on our back as we swim across the river. They've shown us who they are. We know what they will do, and it's not going to change. I think what we need is some bona fide leadership in both houses of Congress. We need somebody to stand on the Senate floor or in the well of the Senate and somebody to stand on the House floor and call them out as the treasonous pieces of chicken dung that they are. Yep. Right there. You know, censure be damned. I mean, what's that? Slap me on the wrist. Big deal. And, And, you know, what's every day you see, well, the Internet reacts wildly. Who cares? Mm. Who cares? I don't care what some pundit, you know, wannabe on the Internet says about Kevin McCarthy. We need real action. In the meantime, Kevin McCarthy said, well, like you pointed out earlier, the first one, the failed coup was practice. They're going to come back at us in 2022. They're going to come back at us in 20. And until we start to change this and turn it around and start making people realize they are the scurrilous SOBs we know them to be, it's not going to change. My it's point. not going to change. My and point. we need we need Grandpa We need Joe. a prosecutor. We need, you know, yeah, uh, now that McCarthy and McConnell have said no to a commission, we can all breathe a sigh of relief and say, okay, we there's don't not a- going to be one of these 9-11 whitewashes. There's not going to be a Warren Commission whitewash. Let's get our this generation's version of Lawrence Walsh or, or Ken Starr or, or, you know, or Archibald Cox or Leon Jaworski, these special prosecutors who, who you know, Ken Starr nearly brought down Bill Clinton, certainly set up, you know, uh, George W. Bush's presidency. Um, we need a real, uh, a real prosecutor who is willing to actually lay this stuff out in detail. I mean, Ken Starr's report, you know, it was, it was like this huge report that went into extraordinary detail about the, 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 the micro details of Bill Clinton having sex with Monica Lewinsky. Okay, fine. We have a precedent now for knowing when an elected official is doing something they shouldn't do. And, but and didn't the special prosecutor law expire? And then yes. because of Ken Starr's abuses, yes. the Democrats said we don't want to have another. That's, that's correct. And so and what do we do now? And that's why I'm saying what what this is going to be. It's got to be a two-step process. There's no way the Republicans will allow this to get through the Senate with a filibuster. So number one, Chuck Schumer has to has to round up. Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin and say, you guys are going to vote with the rest of us to end the filibuster or modify it into a Jimmy Stewart filibuster. You are going to. I will offer you these goodies or I will offer you this punishment. 
But you are going to do this if you are going to stay members of good, in good standing of the Democratic caucus, the United States Senate. Then he needs to do it. And then the first bill that he passes, I mean, it would be great to have the American Jobs Act and all that stuff, but the first bill that he passes needs to be an independent prosecutor, special prosecutor, independent counsel, whatever you want to call it for 2021. And we need to nail these people. Jim, thank you. Spot on. Mark in Philadelphia. Mark, we have a little less than a minute. You got a quick, quick point or question? Yeah, let me let me get your legal opinion on something. Uh, for four years, we heard from Trump and his friends about the attack on religious liberty. Right. Well, who's religion? Suppose you're an atheist. Isn't atheism a religion or Darwinism or agnosticism or religions that believe in dinosaurs that were here 500 million years ago? Or, this is where I mean, the Church of Satan has actually been doing some really cool stuff. We had yeah, them on this I, show a couple of years ago. You know, the, the, they were saying they were being discriminated against. Your point is well made, Mark. And, you know, they're trying to create this white Christian ethno state. And, uh, you know, enough already. Uh, enough already. And, and you're right. You know, marginalized religions do not fit into the Republican uh, definition of religion, sadly. And it's a point that we need to make more often. Thanks so much for being with us today. Get out there, get active. We need you now. Call your, call your members of Congress and tell them to end the filibuster. Tag, you're it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 